the blast from our past network. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back. This is the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. And this week, we are back with the eighth entry into our near of the... Into our near... No, no. Into the year of the ninja event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoops. Take two. Year. Take two, hey? Yeah. Uh, well, Dean, I'd like to welcome you. You've uh, already made yourself known. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. I was going to introduce you as the master of being a ninja for Halloween, but I flubbed the intro and I, I ruined everything. Uh, I'll take it anyways. <laughs> I, I like being the master of being a ninja for Halloween. Uh, did I do that? Did I do that once? I don't know. I just make stuff up for the, okay. for the episode. Okay. I was Peter Pan once as a kid. Um, maybe I was a ninja also. Yeah, that's pretty close <laughs> to being a ninja. That's, Not I think really. that's as close as I was to a ninja was Peter Pan. <laughs> Not really. Peter Pan. Not really. I'm, close as I got. Not ninja material. <laughs> no, I don't think so. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great, Tim. I just realized I don't have the ninja sword with me. Uh, I was waiting for it. I actually remembered this time. Remembered that was a thing. What a major problem. I'm having a really bad start to this episode. It's really bad. I need to get it. I'll, yeah, I'll get definitely. it. I'll, I'll, I won't stop now. I feel like that might end the podcast. Everybody might drop off. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait <laughs> right. a little bit and then I'll go and get it. Okay. Okay. I'll try to. Sounds hey, good. here's something fun. I'll try to sneak yeah. off like a ninja when you're talking and, cool. and see if I can make it back with nobody noticing. And surprise everybody. And surprise no one everybody. If you hear the sound of the ninja sword, that means I have snuck off. Wow. I have left the studio and gone in yeah. search of the magical ninja sword that I have. And yeah. I will come back and make it known, make its presence yeah. known. You, less, you left it on your most recent infiltration mission. You left it there. <laughs> what a terrible ninja. I left my sword somewhere. Terrible ninja. You got to go find that thing. Yeah. I mean, I have a good idea where it is, but uh, it should be here but it's not. My bad. Yeah. Hey, today yeah. we're covering 2005's Shinobi Heart Under the Blade, a movie I had never heard of before. I'm assuming you had never heard of it either. I have never heard of it, Tim. Is the part of the title or is it just Heart Under Blade? It's called Shinobi Heart. Oh yeah, you're right. It's called Shinobi Heart Under the Blade. I think it's the, yeah, Under the Blade. No? I, I found no the. I just thought it was heart under blade. It feels like the word the's missing, though. <laughs> it does. It does feel like that. Where did you find that? 
Uh, that's what it was called on YouTube where I watched it. I think you're right. It's called Shinobi Heart Under Blade. Also, when I logged it on Letterboxd, it was also called Heart Under Blade. My bad. How am I doing okay. so far? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any more mistakes to make. <laughs> <laughs> I've made them all. Shinobi Heart all. <laughs> Under Blade. This is news to me. Yeah. I kind of like it. With I feel like that needs to be stuck in there. I know. I feel like I, they're rushing I, I the title a little bit with Heart Under Blade. Well, how about Heart Under the Blade? Yeah. That's okay. I'm projecting my, you know, opinions know. onto the name here. Yeah. Or Heart, heart Under a Blade, even. Um, maybe it's not the. Maybe it's not the Blade. You know, there's not just one. Maybe a Blade. How about Shinobi Blade in the Heart? I like that one, yeah. That would be very appropriate <laughs> yeah. for this movie. That would be appropriate. Shinobi Blade in the Heart would be good. Uh, I am very excited for this movie for a few reasons, Dean. Okay. Uh, the first reason is because it's awesome. It rules. Yeah, it absolutely rules. That's right. The second reason is that the movie deals with the two most famous ninja clans, the Koga and the Iga. Cool. And we learned about them on our Patreon episode where we took everyone to school uh, about the ninja. But none of the movies we've dealt with so far have talked about them. True, yeah. So I was very excited that this movie dug into that. Yeah, awesome. And I'm also very glad we're sharing this one with the listeners because I really think people need to go and find this movie and watch it. It's on YouTube. It's free. It's called uh, Shinobi Heart Under Blade. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, great action, great music, great fights. For one of the first times ever, I found myself noticing the sound editing. Cool costumes, amazing characters, decent story. Uh, I was like, I'd have to say I was blown away by this movie. Uh, I would have to say that too, Tim, especially since, I mean, half these movies that we're doing I've never heard of and some of them I've put on and I haven't liked. So I'm, I'm always like skeptical now, not skeptical, but I like I'm throwing it on. I'm like, OK, which one of this is what, what's this going to be like? Is it going to be one of those I've never heard of that blows me away? Is it going to be one of those I've never heard of? That's just OK. And yeah, within like 10 minutes, I'm just like, this thing's kind of amazing. And it just kept going from there. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we've yeah. we've covered so far blown away amazing and yeah. blown away terrible, but yeah. still fun. <laughs> but this right. Was, yeah, this yeah. Was, still fun. This is blown away amazing, in my opinion. Amazing and fun. Like, I just had a great time with this movie. Oh, for sure. For sure. So here's the synopsis. Two rival ninja clans, the Iga and the Koga, have been living deep in the mountains and honing their skills to superhuman levels. The ruler of Japan, viewing the powerful clans as rivals, forms a plot to ignite their feud, inviting the clans to choose their five best warriors to fight to the death. I mean, I'm obviously extremely excited about that. Yep. Who wouldn't be? What a great plan, too, to just be like, oh, the two, the two villages that might be able to rise up and take over? Let's give them a reason to fight each other and kill each other. Pit great. them against each other. Pit them against each other. And the Shogun, um, he's kind of in control of them, so he can tell them what to do, which was... Uh, interesting as well. They have to listen. They have to do it. They have to do it, even though they don't know why. They still have to do it. And also, like, 
five picking like five on each side it's just cool it's so cool it was uh, as i mentioned released in 2005 um i had to do some serious digging and i think the budget was 50 million and wow it seems like a lot but then if you think about the movie it's possible it's possible but yeah. may- maybe not but I, it's possible I don't There's know. a lot going on, but that's a lot of money. Yeah, There's some cheap CGI, um, like a lot of cheap CGI, well, which is fine. Hold for on. Them. Like, it's totally fine. Here's the thing, though. We watched it on yeah. YouTube, right? Uh, true. So yeah, we're not yeah. getting a great a great feed. It's not in HD on YouTube. It, it's, it's, a bad, no, no, no. it's a bad rip. So I noticed some problems as well, but I, I would like to see a high-definition version of this movie. I for think sure. those problems will go away. Okay. I, I for sure want to see a high-definition. I just think, like... The type of like early 2000s CGI that you see where it just like, I don't know, kind of looks bad. Um, I think this has some of that in it, um, but like it doesn't really matter. Like uh, it, it didn't, didn't take me out of it or anything. No, like it, it, it doesn't yeah. matter. But just like that's me thinking like, okay, does that kind of thing cost a lot of money because it's 2005 and they had some CGI? Or was it like something that doesn't cost a lot because some of it looked a little cheap? I, I don't know. I don't really know how that works out. I don't know. I'm thinking like sets were pretty impressive. Costumes they were, for were sure. pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't really get into the cast and crew very much, but they were all like very successful um, on in Japanese television and, and cinema. So, okay. you know, a capable group of people working on the movie. So that might have cost a little bit more as well. So yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it only made twelve million though, which is an ouchie. If you spent, if you paid fifty for your movie. It's a big ouchie. It's an ouchie. And I'll tell you what, even if they didn't pay 50, I, I don't know if I can imagine a world where this movie didn't cost more than $12 million. No. Uh, probably, yeah, I think I would have to agree with that. It looks like it's a, it's, a big, it's a big thing. Yeah. Well, I applaud them for putting as much money as they did into it because yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The movie is based on a book from the 1950s called The Koga Ninja Scrolls. And there is also a manga and an anime called Ballistic, which deals with uh, the same story that this movie does. I don't really read manga, but I'd probably be down for watching that anime. Yeah, I would totally be down for either of those. I've read some manga before. Um, Just something about the right to left that's kind of hard. It's very Uh, tough. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's very tough. I know it sounds simple. It sounds like just a simple thing. But when you're so used to reading left to right, right to left can be hard to follow a comic book. Um, But yeah, I would definitely watch the anime. After reading comics for so long, like there is, there is no like American comic that gives me trouble to navigate. Uh, and I hear people say like, oh, I, I have trouble reading comics. And this is a great way to understand how those people are feeling is, is if you're a good comic book reader, pick up a yeah. manga and try reading from right to left. And you'll yeah. find yourself searching for where to go next. Like yeah. it, what once was intuitive is now just like, I don't know where to go. So yeah. I, I get it doesn't flow with my brain. Now, before we get into the movie, Dean, I want to talk about the characters because they are what set this movie aside from some of the others that we've covered. Um, We've talked about it. There's this great story arc in here where five main warriors from each clan are chosen to fight and they all have a unique look and a unique fighting style. So I wanted to just... uh, dig into them a little bit ahead of time so that once we cool. get to some of the action, um, you know, people might understand what's going on with these characters. So 
we have the Koga clan and we have uh, one of the two main characters. We have Jinosuke. He has the power to see and react and move at very high speeds. We have Hioma. He has the unique ability to sense his enemies kilometers away. And he also might be a hawk. What's with the hawk? Can he turn into a hawk? I think the hawk is separate. The hawk is just a hawk. Separate. The hawk is just a hawk, but like uh, an ally, an ally hawk. Okay. We have Koshiru, and he's a weapons master. We have Kagero. Poison flows within her veins, and she's able to breathe poison at enemies or poison them with a kiss. And rounding out the Koga clan, we have Simon. He is able to assume the physical appearance of others and imitate their voice. On the Iga clan, we have Oboro, and she has the eyes of destruction and can completely incapacitate an opponent with one glance. Fucking awesome. So cool. Pretty powerful. That's such a cool idea. Yeah. We have Tenzin. He is the host to parasitic worms, which prevent him from aging and heal any wounds he sustains, allowing him to recover from nearly any injury. We have Yashimaru. He manipulates thin wires, using them like whips. The wires are also sharp enough to cut through various objects. We have Nenki. He is a savage beast man. And rounding out the Iga clan, we have Hotarubi, and she uses a dust that can manipulate butterflies and moths. Now, Dean, who was your favorite character? You got oh you goodness. gotta give us your favorite. You must have one. Who yeah. is it? Are we taking out the top two? Janoski, Janoske, and uh Aboro? No, you can leave them in. If I leave them in. Oh, so many, yeah, so many great characters. Um, if I leave those two in, I think it's, I think for me, it's just uh, Oboro. Okay. Um, I just think that look, there's so much talk in this movie about the look. Yeah. And then you get it, you <laughs> get it deep, deep, deep into the movie. And like my jaw dropped. <laughs> and so I think because of that moment, um, I like Janoski, I love throughout this entire movie, but I think because of that jaw dropping moment, I'm going to go with her. I mean, it's a great choice. She's also gorgeous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, which doesn't hurt. But yeah, no, that's a good good call. I'm going to go Tenzin, which I think is a yeah. bit of a hot take, but uh, he's the one who can't be killed. Yeah, Dude, great. Oh, my goodness. He's been alive for 300 years. And because of that, they kind of make him look a bit like a vampire, and he kind of like behaves that way in the movie as well. Like he just he's wise beyond his years with his, you know, his his thoughts and his fighting abilities. Uh, love the way he looks. And uh, yeah, he does some really cool stuff in the movie. But he's he's probably yeah. my favorite. That Yeah, that makes sense. Like there's so many good ones. And like the 10 characters all have these different abilities that you talked about but they also all look different like they all have their awesome cool look the guy who does like the has the like threads or whatever that he's uh strangling and cutting people with 
he just has like really long sleeves on his shirt and even just that like i, I love it I, I love how he looks so it's, cool everybody looks great his yeah. sleeves go all the way to the ground to, to they're awesome to conceal the wires that he's holding yeah. underneath it's so neat yeah. like everything's so really good. well thought out and yeah. fitting for the character and their unique ability so the movie starts with some on-screen text. Hundreds of years ago, there was a people who lived in darkness, who possessed mysterious superhuman powers and had no other way of living except to fight. They are called Shinobi. The year is 1614, after a long era of warring has ended and the world is at peace, a Shinobi man and woman from opposing sides happened to come across each other by accident. This is where our story begins. My favorite part of that is where they say they had no other way of living except to fight. Yeah. I love that they just paint early on that all that these clans are around for and their entire purpose is to be used as weapons and to fight. Yeah. It's all they know. It's all they live is the fighting. Um, yeah, their purpose. Exactly. It, it's their purpose. It's great. Also, I love the... Uh, the the lovers from opposite sides love that trope, you know, Romeo and Juliet saga, which we've been covering. I just love the opposite side romance. So I was just pumped by that. That opening right there, like just pumped me up. And that's hard to do for me for an opening. I'm usually like too much information. I don't know what you're talking about, but this was just got me ready for the movie. Yeah, I would say the romance was one of the things I was worried about in the movie after reading a synopsis about, you know, what was going down. I thought they did pretty much did it perfectly. Like there, yeah, there is not it. too much. I think it's just, just the right amount. Like if anything, I think it might even be on the light end of digging into the relationship. So I really approved of like how they didn't ram that down our throats. You know, they gave yeah. us what they needed to, but they didn't, we don't need like a bunch of scenes of them wooing each other. You know, we get it. You're trying to make them, you know, a couple in this movie. We're smart. We understand. Well, why, yeah, why it works is because the moments they spend together aren't wasted. All the scenes together are not wasted. Like, we know what, like, they really build towards their relationship, and it's not very much, so we just, like, we know where it is. Yeah. So, Jinosuke of the Koga and Aboro of the Iga meet at a stream. Very cool intro. We see Jinosuke, like, looking at the water, and his eyes flash red, and then, like, the water slows down. And a fish jumps out and it's moving in slow motion. Now, we don't know what this is at this point. Like, we don't know this is his power. We see more of this later, but this was a nice teaser and only something that I caught on my second viewing. I was like, oh, right away, they're showing you his power. Yeah, I knew they were showing it. I knew they were showing a power right away because his eyes kind of flashed. But what I got sort of like off the bat, I was just thinking, okay all shinobis can do this. Like all shinobis have this specific power. It's just like, that's how they can move so quickly and be so stealthy. But then, you know, as I started to realize that other people have different powers, then I sort of just figured out that it was just his. Right. So Oboro's drinking from the stream. And when she sees Jinosuke, she jumps back in the classic, like on wires style, which oh, was just great. awesome. I love that Fuck yeah. the movie is <laughs> going to be using the wires and doing that type yeah. of action. Yeah. Then she says she has never regretted that meeting. Uh, now, this is your intro. This is your first scene. And man, loved it. Uh, this first encounter, 
um, is great because Aboro is speaking from a place where much more has transpired. Like almost yeah. like she's looking back on this moment of her life. So I, I like that. It was neat. I like it a lot. I like how long he lingers on her um, because he's in kind of slow motion. So it seems so, so long that he's looking at her. Probably isn't really that long in like in real time um, because that's another thing where you don't have to waste much time in the movie just to let us know that there's like an extra bit of connection there because we he was on her for like 30 seconds or something, right? So then I'm like, okay, he's like really, really looking really into her. So I like that extra time. Yep. We go to Soonpu Castle really beautiful shot of the upper part of this castle on the left and Mount Fuji really, really big in the background on the right. Yeah. Now the movie doesn't do a very good job of letting us know who is at this castle, but it's the Shogun of Japan and he's being briefed on the situation with the Iga and Koga. Now they don't really touch on this in the movie, but this was meant to be the first ever Shogun of Japan and historically, um, he was the first ruler to unite Japan under a single uh, rule or house. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, that's why he's so worried about the peace breaking, right. because this yeah. is the first time that they've ever had peace. Okay, yeah, and and so just commenting on like the movie not quite telling us everything. I did while I was watching it have this feeling that the subtitles might be a little off. You know, they might not be telling us everything that's going on. So I don't know. I would like to see like, I don't know, uh, like a, a, maybe a, a sub, maybe we were not watching like the subtitled version, you know, like the correct one. Yeah, I, I hear, wonder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we had that problem with duel to the death where we, yeah, we exactly. both saw yeah. two different versions. Uh, yeah. They were talking yeah. about different things. Yeah. So that made me wonder in this one, just because sometimes I wasn't a hundred percent sure I knew the like why they said what they said. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm losing something here in the in just the the subtitles. Well, they're using specific names, um, and if you go back and look at historical like mm. records of the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. The people with those names actually exist, and they're they're real people. It's okay. just when a yeah. when a really long name comes out, that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that is, but yeah, when I I did some digging and like it's it's all actually pretty accurate to that okay. that time in Japan. So Okay, cool. It's cool that they decided to like actually make it historically accurate as well. Yeah. So the Shogun is worried about the power of the Iga and the Koga threatening this peace he was able to achieve. So he has a plan and he summons the leaders from each clan. Then we see Jinosuke and Oboro again by a stream, and they've heard now about this request from the Shogun, and they're both worried. We uh, briefly get to see where the Koga and the Iga live. This is very cool because while they both live, you know, deep within the um, like the mountain and forest, yeah, their choices of location is is they're parallel, right? Like the Koga live up in the dusty mountains. Their village is like built into the side of the mountain. Yeah. And the Iga are living in the forest, you know, right beside a stream where it's all yeah. green and full of life. So, um, sorry, I said parallel before, but I think I meant contrast. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think they even do it 
with like the colors too because you're in the dusty mountains everything's like really orange and it just like looks really orange then when we go down to the water where the ega are um it's so blue down there it's so blue and green so you just get like this really big contrast too with just like visually yeah yeah it's really good then back to sun Poo castle where the leaders of both clans have brought a single warrior for a demonstration so the leader of the koga clan this really cool looking big burly guy you know oh yeah looks like you know he aspires to be a bear. He's just like <laughs> yeah, this grumpy, there. grumpy big guy, big beard. Yeah. And on the other side, you know, more contrast, the uh, leader of the Ega is this just very, you know, petite, um, you know, straightforward looking uh, woman. Yeah. So it just looks like she could be your grandma. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I got very excited at, at this point. Same. Um. So, Dean, out of the two fighters who demonstrate, yeah, which demonstration, don't say anything about it, but which demonstration okay. did you like better? You have Yashimaru, who has the wires, and you have Koshiru, who's the weapons master. Yeah, it was y- Yashimaru for me, for sure. Okay, so then I'm going to let you describe his demonstration. Okay. And I'll describe the other demonstration. Okay, sounds good. So go ahead. You want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay, okay. Just because he fought second. Okay, so I'll go first. Sure yeah, I'll, yeah, no, you're right. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. My demonstration was first. So, holy shit, did I laugh at how awesome this demonstration was. <laughs> so good. I mean, it's so cool. So it's just, uh, it's Koshiru, and he's up against like a single ninja or like a single, he's not a ninja, but just a single of the Shogun's warriors comes out. Yeah, yeah. And Koshiro, like as the guy moves in on him, Koshiro really quickly gets under his arms. Like the guy's coming at him with his sword in two hands, kind of above his head. He really quickly gets underneath his arms and in tight and headbutts the guy. And then as the guy's falling backwards, he kicks the guy's sword out of his hand and catches it and then throws it back into the guy's sheath as he falls to the ground. Yeah. This is really <laughs> impressive. I'm like that that was so good. Yeah. That was great. Then 20 guys come at him. He leaps up in the air. He's spinning around in a circle like over and over again and yeah. I don't know 60, 70, 80 metal projectiles just are spiraling out from him and they knock all of the swords out of the guy's hands. Very, very precision Great. attack here. Yeah. And then he ends it by ripping some dude's hair off. And then he sits down. <laughs> so- it's so good. It, that, that one is so great because when he starts, he like steps out and is like, can I kill them all? Like he basically asks as he's stepping out there if he can kill everybody. <laughs> yeah, and the guy, the leader says like, no. <laughs> His leader's like, no, 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 no. So then everything from that point on, I'm like, oh, he's restraining himself. He's trying to do like maximum damage without actually hurting anyone or killing anyone. Uh, so yeah, that that is awesome. Uh, really, really loved that one. Yeah, no doubt. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what Yashimaru does? So I feel like because uh, this is the second guy, he comes out, he's got his long sleeves. And instead of just like, 
one guy coming after him at the beginning, uh, he just gets surrounded. He just gets absolutely surrounded by guys right away because now they know they know that this demonstration is uh, it's going to be the real deal. So he's got his like super long sleeves. Uh, they all they all pull out their swords. They're like surrounding him, and he just kind of steps into the ground like really hard, and they all step back. They all like bounce back, and I just absolutely loved that. Like okay. You know, like they really know what's going on. They're really prepped. And so then they, he just like, he just does his sleeve thing. Like he pulls out his sleeves. Everyone kind of starts charging. And here's where the wires come out. You know, you, you get a good visual with him having his sleeves being so long that you don't really know what's going on. You think it could just be like a costume thing. And then all of a sudden he just starts whipping out like these sleeves. He's hitting everyone. He's doing like this amazing Kung Fu with them. And then all of a sudden like wires are coming out of them and like grabbing guys uh, it's it, visually to me, it was just like completely stunning with his like sleeves going around, spinning around, wires coming out, all that stuff. So that's why I chose that one um, as as my favorite because to me it like it was another one of those moments where I was like really shocked at what I was watching. So it was, it was awesome. Yeah, I agree. That was really cool. I love the way it ended. He's up on a roof, and he's oh, got yeah. about he's got I think four or five groups of guys wrapped up. So there's like yeah four or five guys in like four or five different groups and he's yeah. got them all wrapped like really really tight together and they're all struggling and like feeling the force of <laughs> of this of the wires and he could cut through them all in one second but nobody's yeah. killing anybody right now so yeah really cool um awesome. so this confirms the shogun suspicions that the ninja are too powerful so uh, yeah, for sure. I like, like that he just invites them. He invites <laughs> them down. Uh, demonstration. Let's actually see what they're like. Yeah. Let's see if they're too powerful. These guys come out. Uh, yeah, that's why I really like the second because the first guy, like you said, just one on one. You know, one guy goes out to fight him, and by the second, they're like they bring everyone to go fight the second guy. Yeah, too powerful. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I also definitely felt like a bit of an X Men vibe going on here because it's like uh, yeah. the people who don't have unique powers are concerned with the people who do yeah for sure so a representative of the shogun comes up he steps forward and he tells them the long-standing prohibition of hostilities between their clans is withdrawn and they are asked to write down the names of their five warriors and starting tomorrow those warriors will fight each other whichever clan wins will determine which of the Shogun's sons will become his successor. So, hells yeah. Hell yeah. I love that idea. Uh, I'm down I'm down for that. I was like, five on each side? We just saw... I just thought these were the two. You know, I thought these were like the two good ones. Five on each side? Hell yeah. Let's go. These weren't even the best. They were just two of, That's what of I love. the warriors. What I love is that I think they were supposed to bring their best, but I think they didn't bring their best. Both sides did not bring their best right. because I think they were like, oh, we don't really know what this is about. Like, are they just going to kill it? Like, what, what are they going to do? What is this about? They bring like their middle, their middle guy. These guys are mi middle, yeah. <laughs> These guys are mid, <laughs> yeah. So the leaders of the clans go back and they select their fighters. And this portion had a really neat feel to it. Uh, yep. Definitely felt like a video game because... Like the leader is sitting in the middle of a room surrounded by warriors and they're each just calling out one at, one at a time who they're selecting for their team. Yeah. And like it cuts from Koga to Iga and it's like a draft really neat. And then when they select someone, 
it's kind of like a close up on that character's face. And then yeah. their name comes up in both Japanese and English. It was very yeah. like video game cinematic, like character introduction. So very cool. So cool. Yeah. So cool. If I if you weren't excited yet, you would be now. Like this just got me so pumped for the five picking the five. And they're each going to be so unique. It was it was awesome. This is I was actually thinking at this point, and I think this many times throughout this movie, Mortal Kombat needed to do something like this. You right. know, like this is so cool because it's so video game esque. You know, it's just like, oh, I needed an intro to the characters like this in Mortal Kombat. That would have been really cool. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, I like a line here from Janosuke where he goes to his leader after uh, the five are picked. And he says, why must we risk our lives for his highness's entertainment? And the leader responds, we are weapons. If there is no one to use us, then we serve no purpose. Without a foe, there is no course to our lives. Thus are the shinobi. So I really do love that, like, this is a lifestyle. This isn't just about, like, we train and we're tough. Like, this is who they are at their core, is they exist to fight. Yeah. So to get things rolling, the Iga and Koga leaders meet in the forest. And this was kind of weird because they fight. Yeah. But we don't see it. We We sort of see them kind of start. And then they yeah. just cut away. And then the next thing you know, they're both dead. They they killed each other in battle. So Yeah, and I and you see just one at a time being dead. So like I was like, oh, interesting. That's an interesting choice to not show us the battle, but show us who won. But then you quickly go to the other side and they're dead too. And it's like, it was so strange. It was it was just like, yeah, I was wondering why did this happen? Why did they meet in the forest and fight? Yeah, I don't I don't know either. But that leaves Jinosuke as the leader of the Koga and Oboro yeah. as the leader of the Iga. Yeah. Now, Janosuke is extremely pissed off because he doesn't believe that the clans actually need to fight each other. He thinks they can live in peace and there's no reason why that couldn't happen. So he sets out with his four warriors to go back to the castle and find out why this has been ordered. Yeah. He sends a message to the Iga, letting them know of his intentions and they decide to go out after him. Which I thought was quite interesting. Because he's going out to try to find out why they're doing this. Because he doesn't want to do this. And he sent a message to Oboro. Who, like, not to her, but just to the Iga. But Oboro's, you know, in, in uh, the leader now. And after reading that mes- message, she was like, let's go. Let's go after them. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, same. She makes the call. Yeah. I was trying to figure out maybe what her angle was. Um, and I think we can talk about it when we get there later, but I, I feel like I know it by the end. I mean, I think, I, I just think that she knows like their place. Exactly. Yeah. But like at that point, I don't know that. I don't know that she knows that. But yeah, I think that's what it is. She just, she knows their place. She knows their history. It's one of those like, we're on opposite sides. We can never be together. And she believes that. So she goes with what she's... She's the leader of the clan. So she goes with what she should do for the clan. And that's go after them. Yeah, I agree with you. I wasn't expecting it. Um, Yeah. But it makes sense. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I like it. Now, the remainder of the movie is basically the battle of the clans on their way to the castle. Oh, yes. And there's a lot of movie left. You know, we're like maybe halfway. So much. So Yeah. So maybe less than halfway. (laughs) So much movie left. So good. Koshiru 
and Yashimaru meet up, the two who are at the demonstration, and they yep. go at it. I mean, what a great idea. Show us yes. them in the demonstration and let them be the first fight that we get to see. So, Dean, what did you think of this fight? Yes. Uh, first of all, so excited that they're the first ones fighting. You have 10 people with 10 different powers. It's just like being on the playground when you're a kid and you're like, who would win in a fight, Wolverine or the Hulk? Like you're just trying to match powers against each other, right? And that's all I want to do here is match powers in my head. <laughs> We've already seen these two in action. So these two then lining up and doing a fight is so fantastic. Yep. Loved this fight. Fight in the woods. Um, Like uh, they're running on trees. You know, they're just like doing these amazing like, uh, you know, wire work stunts. You got the one guy who's shooting his projectiles, like throwing his projectiles all the time. Uh, like, that's so great. And then, like, the guy I like, the long sleeve guy, you know, just doing his crazy wire stuff. I feel like I don't know who's going to win. No. Like, I feel like they both have an upper hand at each point in the fight, and I don't know how it's going to go. Very exciting start to these fights. And, like, kind of unexpected. I didn't know it would just go right away. Like, I didn't know we'd just, like, start fighting, and they just did. Yeah, well, I, even though the movie kind of told us what was going on, I still in my yeah. mind had this picture of these um, clans going at it one at a time, like 1v1, Same. Yeah. yeah, which obviously wouldn't make sense because if you did it that way, at some point you're going to have your own clan members fighting against each other, right? Yeah, So this is sure. just yeah. send them all out at once and yeah. one can fight one, three can fight one, two can fight two, yeah. and all sorts of different scenarios happen here. It's uh, awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, I liked that. Obviously, they're bouncing off of the trees, which is very yeah, Ninja great. Movie-esque. But something new, they were actually running up and down the trees. Yes. Which was yes. neat. Yeah. Um, the attacks were really powerful. Like, I really felt them. The uh, sound of impact was really solid. I thought, yeah, like, I thought Yashimaru was kind of getting the better of uh, Koshiru. Yeah. And as Yashimaru goes in for the final blow, Koshiru pulls out these two really, really cool knives that have chains on the end of them. Yes. And I believe like it, they're connected to one chain. So it's two, two knives on one chain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He throws them out. Uh, like Yashimaru kind of has to avoid them. Yeah. But they go flying out. They wrap around a tree and come back and then pull Yashimaru tight to that tree. And then they continue to like circle around and wrap him up tighter and tighter. And the chain is so long. Like these knives wrapped him around maybe eight or nine times. He's wrapped with oh, this yeah. chain. And yeah. I like that they wrapped him up so many times because it gives the viewer a chance to understand that eventually that chain is going to get so short that those blades are going to be what's coming right at him. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. He He's able yeah. to dodge the first one, and the second one just stabs him in the chest. Yeah, great. Uh, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, really, really neat weapon, something we haven't seen before. And then that... And, and I just wanted to add, like, even as the chain's wrapping, I still am not sure if he's going to get away or not because the first blade misses him. The first blade hits him beside the head. So I'm thinking, like the same might happen with the second. It might also miss him, but like it ends up getting him right in the chest. So I think it, they're like building suspense really well in the fight scenes where I don't really know how they're going to turn out. Even as it's happening, I can't really guess what's going to happen. No. And then um, he's not dead yet, but Simon 
he comes out. Uh, he's the he's the guy who can like change appearance, kind of like a shapeshifter, yeah. but not like not a mis- mystical one. It's like a yeah, it's a bit different. We'll get to that, but he comes out and stabs uh, Yashimaru and uh, says that uh, he has a beautiful face and he wants to take it. So then Great. this guy, holy shit, like he's a weird, weird looking character. Very tough to even describe. Definitely yeah. the weirdest in the movie. Um, so he starts like taking his costume off and like revealing yeah. that there's like a natural person underneath it. And then he's feeling around Yasha's face, like squishing it and being all weird about mm-hmm. it. And then he takes his face and starts squishing and like rubbing it around and basically changes the look of his face to look like Yasha just by like rubbing it into position. Uh, that looks really, really awesome. And uh, that he basically like takes over the um, the appearance of, of Yasha here. He's now he's now Yashimaru. It's just a it's another thing that I I just love when they say it and then love watching it happen because he's like, I like that guy's face. I was like, oh, what's going to happen here? You like that guy's face? What's Are you going to cut it off? What are you going to do? And then he's just feeling it and then feels his own into the same kind of mold. It, absolutely great. Really I, I cool. love it. Then Nanki, the Beastmaster, and Simon start fighting. Nanki has claws like Wolverine and he's yeah, cutting cool. huge chunks of tree. Just like... Oh, yeah. You know, this tree that's like three feet thick is just yeah. lopping huge pieces off. Uh, it, it it felt really powerful. Yeah. And Simon, he's like appearing and disappearing. He's like fading in yes. and out. And I don't really know what's going on with that, but it looked really cool. Yeah. Then Kagero, the poisonous, appears. She's also very beautiful. And Nenki, you know, he's a, he's a savage. He doesn't know what to do. He like jumps up at her and like fake attacks her, but she's not flinching right so he doesn't know like if she's good or bad i'm assuming right he like claws into the tree near her head she still doesn't move and then he kind of gets closer and closer and then she kisses him and you can see like when she kisses you can see poison kind of coming up through her neck into her face and like you can tell it's going into her lips and man nanki immediately his face is just covered in blood like he's coughing up his innards um dying and, and yeah. he's dead like really really quick so yeah that's two ega clan down yeah right, right away. away so well because so what i was thinking here because they were saying like oh there's two approaching us and three are going to try to cut us off from another side so i was like oh, okay here we go and then the two are right there they're there right away so it's like it's like two on five at this point. <laughs> I'm like, that was probably a bad idea for you just to attack two on the five right away. And it was because they both died right away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're lucky they have the guy who can sense enemies kilometers away because he was able to say True. like, there's a couple yeah. approaching and then the other are kind of off over there. Yeah. Otherwise, the surprise attack might have worked, but it didn't because like they had, yeah, they had that guy who knew where everyone was. Because it, it almost worked, worked, even though they almost knew they were coming. Have that guy. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, like I think jeno was like where are those guys right now and then they immediately scatter because nanki like falls from the sky on top of like where they were yeah now that guy who can see for miles he sneaks up on tenzin who can't be killed and he swords tenzin through the back uh tenzin falls over then hotarabi who's there as well and controls the butterflies. She throws some dust at Hyoma, 
and he's overrun by butterflies and dust. He's trying to fight them off. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Until Tenzin comes back to life, and he stabs Hyoma through the chest, the same as Hyoma stabbed him, except Tenzin stabs him with the case still on his sword. Yeah. Right through the body. Then he pulls his sword out with the case still in the body and cuts his head off and then puts the sword back in the case still in his body and then pulls the the whole case out of the dead body that's still standing there without a head. Boss kill. It was awesome. It was so good. Um, I didn't know that he, like that, what's his name? Tenzi? Tenzen. Tenzen. I didn't know that Tenzen wouldn't be dead from like the stab. I didn't realize that. Right. We and don't know that. So we don't know that to... yet that he's uh, immortal. We don't know that. Yeah. Oh, he, he, we he don't sorry. know that yet. He says he's at one point he says he's not immortal. He just has a hard time dying. Right. <laughs> I love that line <laughs> yeah, from exactly. someone asks him, yeah. what are you immortal? No, I just have a real so hard good. time dying. So good. So yeah, we don't know that. So I think that like, boom, I think three of them are down now, you know, three egos are down, but no, they, uh, they they pull it together. He pops in behind and just like a killer kill, like just an awesome it's, kill. It's so using, awesome. using the yeah, using the case for the sword in the kill, just so good. And like a head popping off, which we haven't really seen. We've seen awesome fights, but like we're not seeing that kind of level. So I was like thinking about that too. I was like, okay, like what kind of gore level is this going to get to? And then boom, head flies off. Is great. It was a great pop off too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what, what's what's this? Whoa! What's that? Is that is that a pop-off? That earned. That's, this kill earned the ninja sword. Yes. Aggressive, hey? That's what it sounded like in the movie. That's exactly what it sounded when like. When did I sneak off and get that? I have no idea. I You've just been sitting here the whole time. I bet people forgot about that. I don't that. even know. I did sneak off. There's no fancy <laughs> editing here. I snuck off. When nobody, when nobody knew, and I brought the sword back. I didn't, like I said, I didn't even know. So Simon, who is now Yashimaru, has joined back up with Iga. And he takes a shot at a Boro, but is stopped by Hota Ruby. Mm. And then is killed by Tenzin. So yeah. Simon is down. Then Koshiru, the weapons master... Uh, he's up in a tower. I like this town that they've kind of just come into. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is cool. He starts throwing projectiles at them. So Tenzin, he cuts the tower down with a couple of really cool razor blade circles, like these circular discs. Uh, oh, he yeah. just throws them out. They cut the tower in a couple places. And then as Koshiru's falling out, they come back and hit him as well. Yeah. Like they yeah. do multiple strikes with one throw. So Koshiro hits the ground, and he's still throwing his spike projectiles everywhere. He uh, lands three of them into the back of Hota Ruby, killing her in Oboro's arms. Yeah. Oboro is pissed, Dean. Yeah. And she goes after Koshiro, and uh, why don't you tell us about this? Because you were talking about it a little bit earlier. Oh, so good. Also, there's like a good moment between uh, those two, between Oboru um, and uh, what was the other? Hota Ruby. Hota Ruby. There's a good moment between them. 
earlier yeah. where they do like a little bit of bonding. And then so this kill like just really gets to her. So Aboru's pissed or Aboru's pissed. Um, well, let me, so sorry, like let me say horse... one thing here quick. Yeah. Since you brought yeah. up their relationship. Yeah. Hota Ruby, she was saying like she didn't have parents and she didn't yeah. have a family. And that Oboro was the one who was nice to her her whole life. Yeah. And Hota Ruby, she she speaks in the third person. She says, like, I, yeah. I Hota Ruby. And then Oboro, she said the same thing. She's like, I also didn't have parents. I also didn't yeah. have siblings. Um, so I thought that was interesting that, like, how are they raised? They're raised without family. They're just, like, from the beginning, they're raised as fighters, right? Which I thought yeah. was cool. And then also what was very sweet was that by the end of their conversation, uh, Oboro uh, spoke about herself in the third person, kind of like yeah. meeting Hotarubi with like the way that she communicates. I thought that was really exactly. cool. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. Great moment. Uh, that, that, that The movie's doing that. It's building like these really great relationships, even though it spends little time on that and more time on the fighting. They're, they're not wasting any time. They're doing really well with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Oboru pissed off gets on a horse there's like a horse chase going on here and eventually gets side by side uh with this guy and we've heard about the eyes we've heard that Oboro is not the most aggressive and is a little soft and you know isn't as steel-hearted as she should be but she's got the eyes at least she's got the eyes the 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 pierce of death or whatever and we get to see it her eyes do the light up I'm getting pumped her eyes light up and then the camera like goes from her eyes into the other guy's eyes, right into his eyes. And you're like in his body. You're like in his bones and his circulatory system. You're traveling through his body, just breaking everything. <laughs> everything's just, everything's snapping. Everything's bursting. And then you will like cut outside his body and like his arm will actually break. Yeah. And then you cut back into his body and like his hands snapping and everything's, oh man, you just like, you know the damage that is happening. And it's it's cutting in and out of like camera of in his body and out. And you're seeing all this stuff happen. And then eventually he's just lying on the ground with like limbs going one way limbs going the other way blood all over him he is done <laughs> but he's still alive he's just broken everywhere yeah she does finish him off with a sword a sword blow yeah yeah he asked he asked her to finish him off and and she does it with a sword so it's down to two to two now yeah we've got Jinosuke and kagero and oboro and tenzin now Jinosuke and tenzin meet up now, Jinosuke still doesn't want to fight, but Tenzin lets him know that he tipped off the Shogun to the location of both of their villages and that they're going to be destroyed. And Tenzin, who's been alive for so long, he tells him that they were needed in the time of war, but not during a time of peace. And Tenzin wants to go out in one final grand battle. Tenzin attacks... He throws his double rings out. Yeah. They got they kind of go off camera and they immediately come back in camera coming back at him and they yeah. cut right through him. They go into a wall and they're just dripping with blood. And he falls over on the ground. I had to rewind this part the first time I watched it because I forgot. I had for like Jinosuke has not been fighting. So like I forgot exactly what he could do. So as soon as those like, but we didn't even really out, know what he could do. That's the thing. We don't. Well, that's yeah. We hadn't even seen it. But then like it, that's this is what I'm saying is when it clicked for me because I like, still we didn't hadn't know really what he could it. do here. Oh, okay, I thought yeah, he like, could like he I could had... like reverse your 
reverse your right. attacks on you is what I thought. Oh, okay. like he can just like yeah. deflect stuff back at you. Right. Yeah. I, I, I did think that he was slow. Like he had just gone super fast okay. and, sl- and slowed down time. But that like I, I had to rewind it. Cause I was like, wait, what happened? Cause I was waiting for someone else to pop out and show that they had helped out and they didn't. So I rewound and like, wait, what happened here? Still, I didn't see anything extra. You know, they just go off screen and then they come back at him. But that's when I uh, pieced it together that, Oh, he's just like, he's slowing down time and doing something. Yeah, Tenzin, uh, he's like lying on the ground as he's being healed. And yeah, he has a good line. He's like, I uh, I should have known like the number one yeah. of the uh, Koga clan would have such a technique. Yeah, I love it. And then he's like, uh, I'm, but I'm still alive, it looks like. you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love him because like, as he's healing. Yeah, he, he he's sort of in search of death. Like, yeah, he would have been fine going out right there. He would have been. It's like all yeah. all these different attacks that hit him. He's kind of curious to see what's going to take him out, and yeah. you know he possibly thought this this fight might have been the one to take him out, but it wasn't. So he just kind of yeah. kind of yeah. sits back up. He gets back into it, and Kagero shows up. She tries to throw a poison cloud at Tenzin, but he stabs her through the heart. And as she's dying, he kisses her to see if her poison will be enough to finally kill him. Yeah. And it is. It does. It kills the parasites inside him, which are healing him, which I thought was awesome. Because he can be killed. It's these parasites, these like worm-like creatures that every time he gets cut, they fix it for him. So this is a real smart way to kill him. It's kill those parasites, and then he just dies because he's three hundred years old. I thought this was great. Uh, I like as it was happening. I was like, you know, figuring it out and seeing what was going to happen. I was like, oh yes, this is good. This is the way that he can go. This is the only way he can go, and he kind of wants it, so he goes in for the kiss because I think he knows what's going to happen there. Uh, it's it was excellent. I don't know if he knew for sure, but he was i yeah, think he, he was wanted hoping to try. he wanted to try yeah. it's like another way that yeah. he could possibly be killed and he was hopeful yeah. so that was that was good yeah but he like dodged her poison cloud earlier so it's like he still wants to win the fight and win the battle but then like that at the end seemed to be like a way that he was okay with going you know yeah. just like kissing her at the end but the poison getting to him it was like he was tricked or something now one of the best scenes in the movie where a group of the Shogun's oh, yeah. ninja in the classic black outfits come. And they were cool, too. We didn't see much of the ninja, but they were, like, they were great. leaping from treetop to tree- treetop at, like, a really, really rapid rate. Yeah. They come out of the forest at Jinosuke. Jinosuke's eyes light up, and he quickly moves out of the way of their attack. Then we see him moving at normal speed, and the ninja are all in slow motion, as he's just effortlessly killing them one after another. And then they switch it, and they show us the ninja at normal speed and Jinosuke moving as a blur of light through them. I I just loved those two perspectives to kind of get it from, like, both both angles. Really, really neat. Thanks, 50 million budget. That's what what, uh, that budget got you is this scene, which was just so incredible. Um, yeah, they they keep fighting. I'll let you uh, uh, chime in in a second. Here. I'll just finish off this okay. scene. They keep fighting. Great shot of three ninja jumping at him in the air, and they're in front of the moon, which is as big as the screen, big bigger. It's so big it's not even fitting in the screen. 
mm-hmm. they're in the moonlight. Janosuke jumps up and he cuts them out of the air. And then he's sort of like he's sort of like still floating towards the moon for a couple seconds. Yeah. Really, really neat. But he lands and lets out a primal scream of anger as he's standing in the middle of 29 dead ninja and Tenzin and Kagero. Perfect scene. Um, The fighting's so wild, you know, it's so... Everyone's moving so slowly, he's moving so fast. Then, like you said, he's moving extremely fast because we're from the ninja's point of view. There's like all this chaos happening, all this cool stuff happening. Then it just ends in a great shot from like up above with all these ninjas dead, uh, the two other fighters dead, and him just like crying in the middle of them. The guy who didn't want to fight, yeah. and he just left 29 bodies there. Um, it is so good, and they linger on that for quite a while, enough time to count those bodies. Um, you probably didn't even have to pause. Uh, and it was, yeah, it's just fantastic. I only had to pause once. Okay, yeah. But it yeah. was dark, and there were 29 black bodies on the ground, so you, pr- you yeah. probably could count them in without pausing but just to be sure i i I paused and did it twice so with only jinosuke and aboro left they meet in the desert jinosuke says it looks like they have to fight after all aboro says their marriage could only be in their dreams he tells her to come at him her eyes light up but she can't do it she tries again and still can't do it he screams at her to come at him So she pulls her knife out, points it towards him, runs towards him, and runs into him. And one of my favorite shots in the movie, because the music that was playing stops just before she runs into him. And just before she hits him, his eyes light up. So he's about to use his power. And now they're both just standing there, like almost like they're hugging, but they're standing there. In a quiet moment. And we don't know what happened. They take their time revealing it to us as the camera's kind of circling around them. And then we find that Aboro did stab him in the chest. But her reaction looked like she thought that he was going to move and kill her. You know, because she probably saw his eyes light up too. So she was very shocked. He says he was glad to have met her and falls to the ground dead. Yeah, um, this is perfect to me. Um, we What we know about the relationship is that Janosuke really wants to make it work, and Aboro says it'll never work. So I just love that he still can't do the... He can't fight here. He can't do it. He's, he doesn't want to fight. He would never be able to do it. She can't use her power because it's a little too... You know, she still loves him. It's a little too much to use those eyes and break every like limb in his body. It's too gruesome for her. But she runs at him. She's she just knows. She knows that she has to do it. She knows that it's her. You know, she the, she believes in like the places that they are, the villages they're in, and that someone needs to win this. And she just runs at him, and so hopefully that'll work. And and actually, that leaves it up to him too to make the choice, right? If she just runs at him, then it's kind of out of her hands because she knows that he can stop time and reverse it or whatever. He can he can figure it out. He can figure out what who should die. She runs at him, runs right into him. And I just, yeah, I thought it was a perfect end that she's the one that comes out of this because she's the one that sort of believes in it. Yeah. I also wondered if she couldn't do her uh, piercing eye technique because she loved him. I wondered if there was something oh, like yeah, okay. within that yeah. that wouldn't allow her to do yeah. it because she did try to do it and her eyes like half lit up and then they stopped. Yeah. And then she kind of like 
made a face and then tried it again. So I, I don't know. You could take it either way, but I, I wondered if possibly she was trying to do it and it actually physically wasn't working for her for whatever reason. But yeah, maybe who knows? Not a big deal. So we see the Shogun's army is destroying both of their villages, like cannons and, you know, fire. Yeah. They're just the people can't fend for themselves. Um, Aboro has made it to the Shogun and he tells him the nine that died and where they died. This was cool. She's just like down on her hands and knees, kind of reciting their names and the location yep. of their death. It was it was eerie. Mm-hmm. She requests the villages be left alone. And he says he can't do that because they are unlike other people. Human, but not human. He says she has the piercing eye technique and peace will never come to such a people. So in the name of peace... Oboro takes her two fingers and sticks them into her eyes. She's like dramatically crying, you know, two tears of blood. Mm -hmm. Thought that was a bit much, but that's fine. (laughs) And uh, she asks again for the same thing. Yeah. So the Shogun walks over to her. And then we cut and see that the armies receive a letter to call off the attack. Yeah. So... I guess that was such a impressive plea on her behalf that it it got to the shogun and he he decided to to give in. Then Yeah, and I think even I think even just like the idea that someone like that would take away their power. Yeah. You know, he's like maybe we don't have to kill them all. Maybe they're not just all going to rise up against us. Yeah. Then there's some on-screen text that tells us the villages would go on to live another 260 years. And there are still some living today who have inherited their blood. Then back to the forest and river of Iga. We see Aboro drinking from the stream. Same as the beginning. Her eyes hidden by her hair. I really like the way they did this. Because we want to see her eyes. And they, they, The sure. movie knows it. So they've got her covered yeah. by her hair. Uh, yeah. Until she slowly looks towards the camera. Very nice shot. Mm-hmm. She opens her eyes. They seem to be okay. I don't know if they healed themselves or what, but... Her eyeballs look okay. She does seem blind, but her eyeballs look okay. I couldn't tell. But yeah. she pulls out a comb that Janoske gave her and yeah. smiles. We see a falcon land in a tree. It catches her attention. Then it flies off as the camera also pulls back into the sky and the end. Hell Yeah. Wow, man. What a good what movie. A fun movie. It's great. So, with all of our ninja uh, movies and uh, other properties that we're covering, uh, the bonus stuff is over on Patreon. We're doing uh, extra ninja content over there. But we have a rating system, Dean, a system we created to find the most powerful and feared ninja movie in existence. Yeah. Right? Well, at least out of 12. May have already found At it. least out of 12 options. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so our first category, weapons and tools. Do we get swords, throwing stars, knives? Are they using bombs? Are they using poison? Do they use ropes and grappling hooks, etc.? Maybe something we've never seen before. Dean, give us your weapons and tools. 
Okay. Um, so weapons and tools. This is one that uh, kind of builds as you're watching the movie um, to see what different things pop out. So, you know, things that stick out to me when I'm looking for weapons and tools. Circle blades, you know, brings out the circle blades. Those are so cool. They're also like boomerangs. They come, they kind of like come back to them. Just absolutely awesome. Love that. There's other like projectile stuff, you know, that I've, we've kind of seen things like that before. Um, you know, there's lots of swords, um, other things like there's poisons. That's something we look out for. There's a poison character who like can kiss you with poison or put a poison dust out. So like, that's just absolutely awesome that there's even multiple layers to that character. Um, I did like my long sleeve boy. He was great. <laughs> I loved his, his wires, his wires yep. coming out. Like what even is going on here? <laughs> like absolutely love it. Everyone's got all these like different powers and they sort of can hone them into different weapons and different techniques. Um, I was at a point, uh, I was at a point where I was like, okay, you know what? I'm missing throwing stars. You know, I'm, I'm missing some of the classics, some of the classic ninja weapons. And then the ninjas attack yeah. in this movie, bring out all the classic weapons. So I'm 10 out of 10 here, Tim. It's like, there's the, everything is here for me. There's fresh stuff that I haven't even seen. And when I was thinking that the classics weren't going to be there, they were there too. So 10 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, you do get different types of swords. Tenzin's was my favorite because it was ribbed on one side for maximum yeah. damage. Uh, you're right. We get the throwing stars. We get a we get the bow staff. There's the staff with the blade on the end that we like. The wires, which are new. Um, Yashimaru, when he threw those wires out, he looked like Venom, like throwing the symbiote out. Yeah, that, that's how, yeah. how cool it looked. Knives, metal projectiles, those discs, Wolverine's claws, which are new for these yep, movies. Yeah, Wolverine's claws. The the yeah. army was firing cannons. They were shooting fire arrows. There's rifles, poison. Those knives with uh, the chain that, that connected yep. them, super cool. So good. We even got to see them making throwing stars. They were in a mold. We saw someone blacksmithing a sword. Uh, this is a category I'm the most generous in, but I don't think it needed any generosity out of me to get A10. Yeah, for sure. Now, tactics. Are they being ninja? Are they using stealth? Is there infiltration? Are they burning castles down? Are they stealing documents? Are they trying to assassinate someone? Are they camouflaging themselves in trees? Are they hiding in plain sight? So I like the evolution of the ninja tactics in this movie because this isn't your typical group of ninjas. These ninjas have superpowers. So some of them are still utilizing the traditional tactics just in a more advanced way. Like Koshiru has mastered the weapons, right? Yeah. Kagero has mastered the use of poison. Simon has mastered stealth and infiltration. So I thought that was really, really cool. Then you have some new tactics like a Boro's piercing eye, like destroying someone from the inside out. Really cool. And you've got uh, Jinosuke moving and killing without being seen. So like these are really great tactics being employed by these characters. Then you have the Shogun's tactics, pitting his enemies against each other. Incredible. But more so than that, by pitting them against each other, he actually lured the five top fighters away from their villages so that he could move in and destroy their villages. Because there's no chance that he gets any of that done if, if those characters are still at the village. They will just wipe the army out. So very, very smart work on his half. Um, 
I love how Tenzin used the poison of his enemy in order to kill himself. I thought that was really poetic. And I liked the sacrifice of Janosuke giving his own life and Oboro giving her eyes to achieve peace. Another really great tactic. So there was a lot of thought for me that went into tactics, um, but I got there with the 10. Yeah. Um, you've said, you've kind of said it all here, Tim. Uh, I'll just add on like the entire movie is tactics. Everything that everybody is doing is a tactic that they have learned. They're all masters of their craft. They're all learned. They're all using their tactics. It's not, I had to think about it a lot too, Tim, because it's, it's not um, like what we've typically seen in tactics because we've typically seen a group of ninjas doing something. So yeah. there's no burning down castles. There's no stealing documents. There's, there, there's not a lot of infiltration except for the master of infiltration who's just, who, who actually put on someone else's face, molded his face yeah. into <laughs> someone else's face, you know? So I, I was thinking about it too. And I was thinking, how, how does tactics, how high can this go? And when, when I broke it down to like everything that everyone's doing, everything the Shogun's doing this entire movie is tactics, pitting them against each other. When when he asks them to bring each side, Iga and, and Koga, to bring champions, they don't bring their top champion. That's tactics. They even have yep. a discussion about them bringing their tops and they don't bring the tops because we see they, they have other people that they name the leaders. So not even bringing their tops to that is a tactic. Like the whole movie is tactics. I got, I was the same as you, Tim. I got to a 10. Um, It's just the masters are at work here. Yeah. uh, I did have to, you know, sit back and think about that for a second. Cause uh, off the top, I thought maybe this isn't going to do so well in tactics because it doesn't have what we're looking for, but they let us know that since the ninja have evolved, like their, their tactics have evolved as well. So just what is the tactics or what are the tactics of this new generation of like super ninja? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we both got there. Cause I think 10 is the right, is the right number there. Yeah. So settings and locations, what's the aesthetic of the movie? We love seeing fights in fields and forests and deserts and the water. Uh, what do you got? Okay. So I, I mentioned it while we were sort of talking, um, but there's, you know, you have one village that's in the mountains and it's very orange. You have another village that's in the valley and it's very blue and very green. Then you have like the the main city, the capital city or whatever. It's very white. Everything like they have this like kind of white arena that you're looking at. So it's it's very, um, very different like aesthetics to each place. So I know when I'm in a different place, you have fighting that's happening you know, in the forest, fighting that's happening in villages, fighting that's that's happening at this at this capital. There's a lot of like great great visual things. Um, for me, there it's missing something. There's something that it's missing. It's missing maybe underwater. It's missing on the side of a cliff. It it's not quite for me all the way to perfect. But there are so many different locations we're in. All the locations are real. Like we're we're in a place with trees, and the trees are a part of the fight. They're bursting and busting. People are running on the trees. We're in. Uh, we're, we're yeah we're in the mountains during some of the movie we're in the valleys during some of the movie i think it looks beautiful um but it's it's a nine for me because it doesn't it's missing something it's missing some sort of location that i need to put it to that 10 okay um gotcha i'm sorry i skipped fighting and kills i'm going a, a little bit out of order here but that doesn't really matter but i'll, okay. I'll back up to that yeah. but um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I like the contrast of the mountains, you know, the dusty mountains to the river. Um, I like the Shogun's temple. We, we were at a few different locations. We were like inside the temple. 
we were outside, but still, you know, within the temple grounds. Uh, but they also gave us a glimpse of the city beyond the temple. Uh, and it was massive. Like you really yeah. got that idea of like how powerful the Shogun is. We went to a few small villages. There were lots of different forest locations. There was a scene by a waterfall. Uh, I'm going to give bonus points for the movie changing the seasons on us because we saw a forest in the summer, in the fall, and in the winter. Good point. There are scenes in the day, there's scenes in the night, uh, and also scenes like at dusk as the sun's going down. The characters interacted well and utilized the locations, uh, you know, obviously like jumping off of trees and all, all sorts of stuff like that. So really, really great, but I'm with you. Something still felt like it was missing. I, I don't even know what it was, but there was just something yeah. that this couldn't get a perfect 10 for. So I did the same thing, Dean. I gave it a nine as well. Cool. All right. So fighting and kills. What do the fight scenes look like? Are they well choreographed? How cool are the moves? Are limbs being lost? Are heads popping off? Do we like the kills? Do they get a reaction out of us? Um. The demonstration fight almost got this to attend for me. Right. <laughs> so there's not as much fighting as I thought there was going to be, but the fighting cannot be denied. These action sequences were exactly what I'm hoping for out of these movies. Because of the nature of the characters' powers, you also get some really great kills. The like the master using his knives on the chains there to wrap wrap up Yashimaru and around the tree and stab him. So cool. The piercing eye technique, give me a break. The poison, fast motion, dude, all of it was just such great stuff. They even pop a head off. Easy 10. Yeah, man. Uh, easy 10. It's um, just hearing about it, like, or just like figuring out what everyone's like skill is and then watching them battle against each other you're just thinking of how they match up and then they give you everything you want to see what what frustrates me so much is when you have some sort of superpower thing and you know that they have these skills and they just fail at this level they just fail at the fighting level or no one wants to use them like you have i'm specifically thinking of like the show heroes everyone has all these powers nobody wants to fight each other (laughs) nobody ever does anything no one's using their powers for anything cool at all they just have them this is the complete opposite of that. Everyone's using it exactly how I want. They're matching up in cool ways. Someone's taking an advantage in a fight that I didn't think they would. Absolutely awesome. Easy 10. Kills are awesome. Kills are great. Different kills all over the place. Different styles. Uh, yeah, heads popping off. Guys were getting, I mean, in that in that um, Genoshi uh, scene, uh, like so many guys are getting cut in half there we're not seeing them getting cut in half but it's happening like they're getting slit in half so this was incredible fighting 10 out of 10 yeah all right then give us fun factor uh did we have fun with the movie would we watch it again would we buy the blu-ray did it go fast or was it a slow drag uh yeah fun factor way up there uh absolutely loved this i want the blu-ray i want the blu-ray really badly because i want to see this in better quality than i saw i want to see if there's like a better uh, subtitled version. Um, I it went by so fast. Uh, I, I yeah, I did. I, I was just glued in right away. Like I said, within the first five to ten minutes, I'm glued to the screen and just want to see everything that's going to happen. 
um, I had to really go to the bathroom the first time I watched it, and I didn't want to pause to go to the bathroom. I wanted to just keep watching the movie and see where it went. Uh, it was it was great. Uh, I have fun factor at nine out of ten. Okay. Uh, obviously, the movie was a lot of fun. It's a cool concept. I was hooked from the first scene. Like I was in amazing fights. Uh, loved the five versus five aspect. Uh, and that they didn't have to fight one at a time. The pacing was really good, and they were still able to weave a pretty decent story within that action. I will watch it again. I did order the Blu-ray. I almost bought the book, but I can't read. I can only read comics, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get the book, but I thought about it. I had it open. I was like, yeah. should I get this? Yeah. This is an easy recommend for me, but it's not quite a 10. It's just, it's not yeah. like that the funnest movie. I can't say this is the funnest movie I've, I've ever seen. So another really solid category, but I'm giving it an eight. Okay, cool. So my total is 47. Dean, your total is 48 for a grand total of 95. Wow. That is, <laughs> that is up there. Oh, yeah. So that makes it our new number two. So at number one, Duel to the Death, Perfect 100. It's amazing that there's a movie that has beat this in our rankings because of how good this is. But I know it's fun. Whenever I do my ratings, I'm like, okay, Duel to the Death, that's the ceiling. So I look at these yeah. categories and I'm like, was this as much fun as Duel to the Death? And it wasn't quite as much fun. Therefore, it can't be a 10. So... Yeah. Yeah. I did the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So number one, duels to the death. Number two, Shinobi, Heart Under Blade, 95. Number three, Batman Ninja with 83. Number four is Ninja with 78. Number five is Ninja Terminator with 77. At number six, we have a tie between a couple of Patreon exclusive cartoon episodes with Samurai Jack's episode Jack versus the Ninja. And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2003, the episode The Real World Part 1, tied at 74. At number 7 is Ninja 3 The Domination with 66. At number 8, Beverly Hills Ninja with 56. And rounding out the list, sitting on the bottom, is American Ninja 2 The Confrontation with 43. Awesome. Cool. Check that movie out, everybody. Lots of fun. Free on YouTube. All right, everybody listening, if you'd like to help support Talking Back further, we would love if you would do that. There's some easy ways you can do that. The easiest way, just tell your friends about us, share an episode or two. You could rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You could leave a one-time donation of any amount at buymeacoffee.com. Or you can sign up on Patreon to become a patron and gain access to exclusive episodes. And now that this episode's over, don't worry head on over to bfopnetwork.com and check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like or Dean will use the piercing eye technique on himself. Oh, no. <laughs> Just need a mirror. <laughs> I wonder if that would work. <laughs> right on, Dean. Thank you for joining. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you next time. 
Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.